This is the Wellsprings Word. Hey everybody, back with you again. Uh, We're going to keep talking about revival and things of the past and uh, things that the Lord has done. Apologize about the delay between episodes. For those of you following, I actually got uh, pretty sick a couple weeks ago and didn't feel like you probably wanted to listen as I coughed (laughs) doing this. So we were going to start talking about my first trip to the Pensacola Revival or the Brownsville Revival at the Brownsville Assembly of God Church. Um, So that revival started on Father's Day in 1995. Um, We were six hours away in Jacksonville, Florida. And like we talked about before, um, Father's Day, Evangelist Steve Hill preaches, the power of God moves. The congregation asks him to stay. And they start having church four, five, six nights a week. And that went on for like five years. Before it was over, um, something like four or five million people total uh, visited the church. Um, Sanctuary held about 22 or 300, I think. And um, something like four or 500,000 people made decisions for Christ the Assemblies of God um, organization declared it to be the longest-running, most influential church revival that had ever happened in their history. Um, just a, you know, it was a powerful thing. And uh, there's um, <clears throat> a few different people, excuse me, uploading service videos and and stuff from back in those days. Uh, as I mentioned on the other recording, um, television ministry was not common in 1995, but Brownsville did have a television broadcast system for a weekly show they did called In Times Like These. And so the result of that was a video library and a video history that's um, you know really remarkable how much footage there is of the revival. And so very well known. Um, I want to talk about how my first trip to the Pensacola Revival, the Lord used it to cure me of my critical spirit. I'm just going to let that hang there for a second. Um, in 1995, I was studying for ministry, and one of the things that was so common in our circles at that time was that we were all just incredibly... <laughs> judgmental and critical and analytical about everything. When I look back on it now, it's it's just remarkable to me how judgmental and critical we were. I mean, it was just, I don't know what our problem was, to be honest. But um, so even in, in that sense, we were already always sitting around judging. We already kind of felt like we all knew what was wrong with what was happening in Toronto at that time. Toronto Airport Christian Vineyard Church had started having a renewal up there, and and none of us had been, but yet we knew, you know, we knew everything that wasn't right about it. And so when we started hearing the rumors about what was happening in Pensacola, um, you know, the first few preacher meetings that I went to with my other Assembly of God buddies, 
I mean, it's sad looking back, but yeah, all it was basically nobody had been there, but we all kind of knew what we were sure was kind of not going right about it. And we were very just narrow in our understanding of what the Holy Spirit did and how. And um, I, in some way, had adopted some type of like a guardian philosophy, like we needed to just really hold the line and make sure that there was never any compromises or anything. And and out of that just flowed this really arrogant, critical spirit that was uh, just normal to all of us and normal to me until the Lord cured me. <laughs> and so that's the story I want to tell you. So uh, the youth pastor and I were friends, and we decided to go over to Pensacola for our first service. It was a Thursday night um, in October of 95. So, you know, June, July... August, September, October. So the revival's like four months old when we went. And uh, so it's a Thursday night. Um, You know, got there probably about 6 o'clock. Service was supposed to start at 7. A few different things stood out to us immediately. One was that the people who were gathered in the sanctuary at that time, instead of like running around chatting, you know, like how people do it, before church or like catching up with their friends or whatever. Instead, we walked in the back of the the sanctuary and everywhere we looked, if there was people there, they had their Bibles in their laps and they were praying, sitting and praying. And some of them, you know, weeping, just praying. There was like this little mumble of prayer happening. You know, there's probably, I don't know, when we got there that early, two, three hundred people there scattered around the sanctuary. And it was like this hum of intercession happening. It was really cool. And we we were immediately like, wow, well, okay, something's happening because we don't have people praying an hour before we have church, you know, so this is this is cool. So we went and we found a, a seat, you know, almost like second row up front. We were so early. And it's funny because by the next summer, people were standing in line for hours just to get in. Um, but again, it was only four months old and it was a weeknight. And so we went, sat on about the second row. Um, little by little, the church was filling up, you know, for in time for church. And we were kind of watching what was happening. And a lot of what I'm about to tell you did change and evolve as the crowds got bigger and bigger. Um, so this isn't how it kept going. But on that particular night, what was funny was little bits of musicians, not many, but like, you know, what could was obviously the the worship team was coming out on the stage and kind of getting situated. And this long-haired guy came out to the piano, and I only point out that he had long hair because at the moment, it, he I thought he was the sound man. Um, he, was, he was dressed very plain, and he, he came out, and he went to the keyboard, and he just kind of started messing with it. And so what it looked to me and my friend, it looked like sound check, basically. Well, um, that wasn't the sound man. It wasn't the sound check. It was the worship leader, Lindell Cooley. Um, And, you know, by this point in church history, tons of people know who he was, who he is. I'm sorry. He's very much still alive and pastors Grace Church over in Nashville. But at that time, I, you know, me and a bunch of other people, I imagine, had no idea who he was. And... Like I say, he just went from messing with the piano and 
without any kind of like introduction or any kind of issue, you know, like, uh, hey, welcome to church, you know, blah, blah, blah. In hindsight, I think Thursday night was very much like their home crowd. And the home crowd knew what was happening. And I mean, I would be guessing based on the, the sanctuary capacity, but I would say there was probably a thousand, you know, maybe 1,200 people there on a Thursday. I mean, you know, that was a pretty significant issue back in those days for sure. And um, he just immediately with, you know, with no religious stuff, no opening prayer, no anything, he starts into this um, vineyard worship song. Now, of course, at that point, I had no idea anything really much about the vineyard and their music or anything. I it, This was all so new. But it was a, a, a vineyard song, a real peppy song called His Love Endures Forever. And so the, the it's a call-response song, and the worship leader goes, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And all the congregation and singers go, His love endures forever. And it, it's really fun. It's a cool song. It's old, you know, obviously now. But if you've never heard His Love Endures Forever from the Vineyard Group, check it out. It's a really fun song. <laughs> but anyways, all of that to say that this guy who I think is the sound man just gets in the mic and goes, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And it sounded to me... And I checked with my friend, and he remembers it the same way. It sounded to us like with more enthusiasm than we had ever heard in a church, this whole thousand people echo and instantly are in it. His love endures forever. And the drums hit, and we were going. And their capacity to just praise the Lord and worship was just remarkable. I mean, we were in church all the time and had just never seen anything like the capacity those folks had to just bless the Lord, man. I mean, it was tremendous. And so I never heard any of the songs, and Brownsville had an interesting little thing going on, because this was also early on another issue. There was no screens, right? So there was no words being uh, projected or overhead projected or anything. So if you didn't know the songs, you you just kind of had to pick up on them as you went. Um, but Lindell is a he's a tremendously gifted worship leader, and so he was very good, you know, at kind of that gospel style anticipatory singing, you know, sing the line before you get to it kind of stuff. So he made it really easy to uh, to grab a hold of what was happening. So the worship, um, I wasn't timing it. It went quite a while. The thing that really was significant to my friend and I was is that the worship became so immediately thick with the presence of God that in different moments, him and I both had moments of repentance during the worship. So what do I mean by that? I mean like the Holy Spirit just coming so strong and so thick and so personal that you're instantly having your stuff dealt with. Now, I know when I say that, particularly if you have never been around a revived environment, <laughs> that might sound crazy. It might sound so alien, but that's really kind of sad because the Holy Spirit, above all things, produces holiness because he's a spirit of purity and truth. So when he's really in a place, that's not really gauged by how many people have goosebumps or how many people clap loud. 
When the Holy Spirit is moving, if you have stuff in your life, the light comes on. And he's not there to make you feel bad, but he's just there. And he's so pure. And when you're not, your stuff comes to light, man. I mean, it's just what Jesus taught. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so with nobody preaching, I had a moment where I had to just sit down and just repent. I had to just apologize to God for being lukewarm, for being, you know, for being so casual, for not having passion for him, for uh, not loving the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I walked in there thinking that I did, and when he got close, it was immediately apparent that I did not. And so it was powerful, and then later on when I compared notes with my friend, he had a similar thing where just from the presence of God moving, man, during the worship, we had some repentance going on. It was powerful. Um, a while later, you know, skipping some stuff, a whole bunch of fun stuff happened. But anyways, Steve Hill, the evangelist, he gets up, he preaches the gospel. Now, I had never heard anybody in my lifetime preach the gospel like that. I mean, this guy preached like a flaming branch pulled out of the fires of God, man. And I'm not kidding. If you've never seen old footage of Steve Hill preaching, this dude had passion for reaching souls like, you know, like nothing I've, uh, I'd ever seen. It was remarkable. So he preached the gospel. He gave an altar call. And I want to say on a night, on that particular night, you know, it was probably 20 or 25 people, I guess, that came up for salvation, which, I mean, hey, on a Thursday night, and I'm sorry, one soul, right? One soul matters. 25 people or so, I was like, well, that's that's awesome, you know? And so everybody was rejoicing and engaging in the fact that these people were coming to Christ. And then um, they said that they were going to take this little short break, and then they were going to have prayer ministry. And if you wanted prayer, then you could come forward and you could, you know, receive prayer. Well, to, you know, I've, I'm leaving out some of the details for time, but needless to say, by the time that time of worship was over and his time of preaching was over, uh, we were so hungry for more of the Lord, man. I mean, it just had hit us in a way where we walked in thinking we knew a lot, and we were confronted with how little we knew as far as depth of just presence and spirit and all of that. And so when they said, if you want prayer, you know, come forward, um, you know, we were instant, man. I, I want to say I was uh, one of the only times that I made 50 or 55 trips, I think, over to Pensacola during the revival total over five years' time. But that was the only time I was, like, first in line for prayer, man, because it was so early on. So I wound up standing up. I was very near the, the pulpit. And Steve Hill uh, came down, and he was going to start praying for people. And so uh, one of the many things, and this is really the crux of what I wanted to get to, one of the many things that we in our little critical pharisaical analyzing group were sure was overused and completely just blown out theater was the thing where people fall down when they get prayer. Um, at that time, Benny Hinn was a big deal on TV preaching, and of course everybody he prayed for fell down and and we had heard and seen that, you know, up at the Toronto thing, there again, everybody was falling down all the time. And for so for some reason, we had all decided that the falling down thing was just kind of, you know, just that was theatrical and it was extra and it wasn't necessary. And so um, 
you know, I'm standing there and Steve Hill comes down and he prays for this person that's like two people from my right and they fall down. And my little pharisaical antennas are going up, you know, like, uh uh-huh. And then he prays for the person next to me and she kind of pogos around for a minute and kind of shakes a little bit or whatever. And then ultimately she falls down and I'm like, oh, okay, it's one of, it's, it's like that, you know, and (laughs) so then Steve Hill is standing in front of me and he starts praying for me and he's just praying the fire of God that's all he keeps saying fire 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 and I had an unmistakable um, sense you know witness feeling whatever term you like I had an unmistakable sense of just the power of God really uh, flowing up and down in my heart and it was it was awesome and I think I sort of like I even think I felt a little wobbly, but the fun, the thing that I remember that was just funny was instead of falling down, and I want to be clear, he never pushed me, he never shoved me, he never, any of that stuff. He was very lightly just had one finger actually just on my forehead. He wasn't doing anything, you know, overtly pushy about anything. I opened my eyes and I looked at him and we made eye contact and he grinned, and I said, no, I, I want more, man. I want more than that. And he uh, <laughs> he grinned, and he said, great. And he started saying prayers I'd never heard before. Get him, Jesus. <laughs> give, it, give him all he wants, Lord, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, wonder of wonders, while I'm standing there trying to decide whether or not it's God at all to fall down, I end up realizing that I'm laying on the ground. Now, um, you know, people that struggle with stuff, well, why? Why did you fall down? Well, in my case, it was pretty simple. I couldn't stand up. So that's, I mean, that's gravity, right? That's what happens is when you can't stand up, you fall down. Um, why do people fall down in the presence of God? I'm going to be honest. Uh, after years and years of ministry now and in, in our own renewal service situation that we wound up in, I've prayed for hundreds of people that fell down, and to be honest, I I don't still totally understand why, other than the fact that there are there are references in Scripture to the presence of God being so overwhelming that you just lose strength, you just fall, and it to me in my experiences that's what it was like. Um, it was just like the power of God overpowering me, and I didn't have uh, the ability to stand, and so I fell. Um, and so I am kind of in a powerful place, just overwhelmed by the presence of God. I'm, I'm pondering things. There's some music playing somewhere in the sanctuary in the background or something. And so I'm kind of laying on the floor. I'm worshiping. I had, it was just, it was a powerful experience. Um, and I definitely was laying there kind of having my pharisaical, like, I don't think this is really a thing, but then I was laying there in it going, no, it's real, it's a thing for sure. And so, you know, it was really it was really powerful. Needless to say, a while later, I'm kind of like, it feels kind of like waking up from a nap, um, if that sort of makes any sense. If you have no point of reference for this stuff, it, that's the best way I could describe it, is it feels kind of like waking up from a nap. And I start realizing where I am, and where I am, 
um, is just in a sea of people laying all over that altar area. <laughs> it looks, looks like a bomb went off or something, and we've all just been, you know, just blown up or something. I mean, there's just people laying all over the place. Somebody's arm was across my chest where they were laying next to me, and somebody's leg was across one of my legs. I mean, we're just a tangled mess. It just looks, I'm sure just looks, you know, ridiculous. But I sort of scraped myself up off the floor, and I turned and I looked, and a period of time had passed. So there was prayer happening for people just kind of all over the building. And um, I got up and I went over to the second row over on the side, you know, second pew, and I sat down. And I was just kind of sitting there just like praying and worshiping. And um, and I had never felt, you know, the power of God and the presence of God so strongly. It was uh, It was remarkable. I mean, it was just like sitting sort of plugged into an outlet or something. It was just so incredible. So I was really just sitting there, kind of soaking that up, just praying. And and uh, I had uh, started to just sort of apologize to the Lord for being so pharisaical and so ridiculous about my attitude. But then he really, he had a plan, and it was pretty interesting. Um, <clears throat> we had our list over in our pharisaical group, um, we had our list of all the things we didn't think were God, and we were pretty sure about it. Um, and the Lord decided to just help me out, and this is what I mean by, you know, God used a Pensacola night to cure me of my critical spirit. Um, we were sure that the people who were shaking and trembling a lot, we thought that was probably just emotionalism and pretty weird. And so I'm sitting on the second row, and I'm just pondering what's happening, and this lady comes walking my direction, and she is shaking just uncontrollably, man. I mean, her arms are just kind of pumping up and down. Her head is kind of bobbing up and down. I mean, she is just <laughs> like she is plugged into high current, man. And so I'm sitting there in the euphoria kind of of that moment where you're like, wow. And my mind, of course, is enough engaged to be like, oh, okay, so here's one of these weirdos, you know, that I was sure, all of us, the pharisaical crowd, we were sure, this isn't God at all, you know. And so this woman, though, she comes walking over. She sits down directly in front of me. Come second row, she sits in the first row, directly in front of me. She sits down, and she is just shaking and trembling, just, I mean violently would make it sound a little bit. It didn't seem like she was in any pain at all. Not like that. But like it was it was pronounced, man. Like she was just vibrating. Um, and as she was vibrating, she was praying. And as she was vibrating and praying, I am just feeling waves of the Holy Spirit, man. I mean, washing off this woman. Now keep in mind, I've just been seriously filled with the Holy Ghost in a measure that I didn't know anything about. So I'm sitting there in the spirit and making it very easy to discern the Holy Spirit. As she's praying and she's vibrating, the Holy Spirit's washing over and the Lord more just clearly than I think I had ever heard him up to that point. He just asks me, is that me or not, son? And just confronted me. 
This lady's here shaking. I'm sure it's a problem. Now I'm sitting beside her. I'm watching her just sweetly and lovingly interceding and praying, and the Spirit of God is just washing off of her, and I'm knowing it's the same thing happening to me, and the Lord just confronts me. So, son, is that me or not? And here's the fun part of the story. I said yes. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I should have just not It kind of felt like the end of Job when he's like, I talked before I should have. That's how it felt. And not like God was so furious with me, but like he was definitely wanting me to pay attention, right? And so I said, yes. Yes, Lord, that's you, and I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been running my mouth with the other guys about how that's not you. Now, here's the fun part. She's in the spirit. I'm in the spirit. I say yes to God, and this is the coolest thing. As soon as I said yes to Jesus, she stands up and she walks away. I mean, she walked over, she sat down, he confronts me about my critical spirit. I say yes, and she doesn't hear me, right? I'm praying. She doesn't hear me say a word, but she's in the spirit, I'm in the spirit, and the spirit's dealing with me. And as soon as I said yes to Jesus, she gets up like her job is done, and she goes walking off the other way, shaking and trembling, and leaves me sitting there trying to figure out, like, oh, oh, wow, okay, cool. Um, and then one of the ne- other things that we had all decided was just just couldn't be the Lord, like it just couldn't be God, was the laughing thing. Now, if you weren't around in the 90s, one of the big hallmarks of the Toronto movement was people falling down and laughing. And when I say laughing, I mean laughing, cackling and howling and laughter like they've heard the funniest thing they've ever heard. And people just agreed in my circle, there's no possible way that that laughing thing can be God. Um, now, I want. Uh, I feel like I need to preface and say this. God wasn't, I don't think, communicating to me at all that there's no flesh ever in these type of displays. That's not his point. You need to understand that as the pharisaical group we were, we had decided it was never him either. And I think that's what he was dealing with, was having that absolute of a critical spirit about something that I didn't understand. So you can kind of imagine where we're going. This lady starts walking toward me again from a different angle, a different woman, and she's just laughing. She is holding her stomach like somebody's tickling her with a feather or something, and she's just laughing. Well, I'm already being dealt with by the Lord, so I was qui- I was not so quick to draw my judgment card, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, see, but here we go. Here's one of these laughing people. And she comes over, and God is my witness, friends, sat down in the same spot in front of me that the other woman had been in, And she's sitting there laughing. And you can probably guess, I am sitting there discerning waves of the joy of the Lord just washing off this woman while she's laughing in front of me. And it happened again. It was one of the most remarkable experiences of my life. The Lord comes to me again and he goes, okay, son, is this me or not? And he just confronted me again with all of my critical spirit. And she was so free. She was so happy. She was so overflowing with the joy of the Lord. 
and I was sitting there, and then it happened again. As soon as I said, yes, Lord, that's you, that's what I discern happening in her life, is you are doing something in her life, and I'm sorry. I spoke too soon, I didn't know what I was talking about, and I'm sorry. As soon as I said yes to Jesus in repentance, she got up. I'm serious. She got up just like the other woman, like my work here is done, and she walked the whole other direction and then knelt down at the steps over in one area and kept praying and kept laughing, and I was just sitting there watching her. Well, now by this point, think about it. I was sure falling down wasn't God and the Lord showed me otherwise. I was sure the shaking thing wasn't God and the Lord kind of made a point, a very dramatic point, to show me otherwise. I was sure the laughing thing wasn't God. And um, <clears throat> and he had shown me in very dramatic terms like it definitely can be. And again, we're not talking about establishing doctrine I'm not, I'm not even saying the Lord was trying to say everybody who's laughing is being delivered. Not at all. I'm, there's flesh in everything. That's just the, how we are as humans. But what he was getting me over was the idea that it was never God, that it was never the Lord. God never, ever does stuff that is all just crazy. The Lord was showing me in very dramatic terms, don't judge everything like that because sometimes I am absolutely moving and touching people and it's just not fitting inside your little religious framework. So I was sitting there and I'm pondering all of this and I'm just weeping and I'm praying and I'm apologizing to Jesus for being critical and I'm just full of the love of God in a way that was just remarkable. And while I was sitting there like the little cherry on top for God to bless me with, a guy comes walking over, he sits down, um, not directly in front of me, but a little to the left on that front pew, and he is watching the woman who's crying. I'm sorry, he's watching the woman who's laughing, and he's sitting there crying. And he kind of has his hands stretched her way like he's praying, and he's sitting there and he's weeping. And I just, I, I wanted to know, and so I started talking to him. And I said, hey, do you know her? He said, yeah, that's my wife. And I said, okay, awesome. I said, man, and I, you know, yeah, it was awkward. I didn't know what to say. So I was just like, man, it sure seems like she's she's uh, really having an encounter with God, right? I mean, like, wow, she's she's happy over there. You know, it was, it was kind of awkward. I didn't know uh, what to say. And then the guy told me the most remarkable thing, and it just stuck with me for years. He said, you know, we've been married for, I think he said 15 years or 16 years or something. And he, tears just streaming down his face. He goes, and I've never heard her laugh. And I... I, for a second, you know, I just kind of taken it back. I took that in, and I, I said, "Well, what do you mean?" And he said, "Well, he said she was she was raped and she was abused um, when she was, uh, um, you know, small." And he said, "And I love her with all of my heart, and she loves me, and we're happily married." He goes, "But I've never heard her laugh." He said, "At the at the at the most happy she ever gets, she just kind of smiles quietly." He said, but in all the years we've been married, I've never heard her laugh. It's like the thing in her that could laugh had just been killed out by what had happened to her. And then tears, you know, streaming down his face. And he goes, and look, look what the Lord has done. Look how free she is. Look how happy she is. Look how much joy is flowing out of her face. He said, it's a miracle. 
and I just started to cry with him, and we prayed and we thanked God for for working in people's lives and caring enough about people to want to deliver them from stuff like that. And so um, I'm actually, you know, I talked longer than I wanted to, and I'm even leaving stuff out. There was a lot of cool stuff. But I felt like the point of today was to say that on that first visit to Pensacola, what God used it for in my life was to get me over being critical, to stop thinking that I could just judge everything before I was ever even involved in it. Um, And again, do some people laugh and it's just their flesh? Absolutely. But I no longer watch and immediately go, well, that can't be God because he showed me otherwise. Some people fall, it's the flesh, and some people fall down and it's totally God. And some people shake and they just need help. <laughs> some people are shaking and it is the power of God. And all he just used it to cure me of thinking I needed to be the police for the body of Christ. He cured me of thinking that I need to have an opinion about what everybody else is doing. The fact is I don't. If you have a prayer meeting tomorrow night at your church in the middle of whatever state and you pray for everybody and all of them fall down, why is that my problem? That's what the Lord did in me. I don't even need to have an opinion about what you're doing. I don't need to worry about whether or not all of them were in the spirit or half of them were in the flesh. He is well and able to take care of his church without my help. And so he absolutely cured me of having a critical spirit on that first Thursday night that my friend and I visited the Brownsville Revival, and it was the beginning of him radically opening our eyes to the grandeur, the, the, the wonder and the power of what his kingdom could do compared to what we knew of it at that time, and it marked me for life. And, um, and I feel like these stories matter, and I'm not quite sure exactly. I said this before. I don't know exactly what the Lord is doing by leading me to, to tell these stories now, um, but I'm just trying to be obedient to the Lord and tell stories, and it is me testifying of the wonders of the Lord. That's all it really is. These are things God has done in my life. And so if you hear the story and it stirs hunger in you, if you hear the story and it stirs up some kind of desire to pray or some kind of desire for revival, if you hear the story and it makes you more open to the Holy Spirit or makes you more hungry for his presence in your life, I mean, however the Lord uses it, I'm just going to bless that and say, Lord, use it. Use it however you want to. These are your stories, Jesus, because you were the one doing the work in me, and I'm just telling your stories now. So, Lord, use it and touch whoever's listening. And, friend, if you feel God pulling you closer to him, take that invitation and walk close with God. And uh, I'll be back with some more in a few days. So God bless you. Take care. Thanks again for stopping by. If you'd like any more info about us, feel free to swing by wellsprings.church. Have a blessed day.